Welcome to episode 21 of the Avatar Hour podcast, your ultimate companion podcast to the world of Avatar. I'm Kayla. And I'm Andre. And this week we'll be stepping into the world of supplementary canon and discussing chapters 5 through 8 of FCE's The Rise of Kyoshi. Now, before we start, uh, we do want to warn you that this podcast will be mentioning spoilers for The Last Airbender, Legend of Korra, and now Rise of Kyoshi. However, you are free from spoilers regarding the sequel novel The Shadow of Kyoshi, as well as any Avatar Universe comic books. So, Andre, how are we doing this week? (sighs) I mean... We are recording this the morning after the attempted coup of the U.S. Capitol. No, this isn't like it's it's not a it's not a coup unless you know unless it comes from some region in France. This is this is this is sparkling white supremacy. I saw that on Twitter. (laughs) I did not come up with that. Credits to whoever came up with that. I paraphrase it probably terribly, but that that sums it up pretty damn well, if I do say so myself. Yeah, I I can't explain the level of disillusionment I was experiencing yesterday because I was just at my desk. I was just working on stuff. And then I get a CNN alert saying a Trump mob has forced themselves into the U.S. Capitol building. And I'm like, no, 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 no. They were not for they did not force themselves in. They were pretty much let in. I mean, let's be honest. Well, that's what I found out after the fact. (laughs) But still, that's just like looking at that. That is one way. That's one hell of a way to like, you know, (laughs) (laughs) and that and that was like there was other like three other weird things happening yesterday as well so it was it was a really uh yeah the kanye west and jeffree star thing oh my god uh, georgia flipped blue for the senate um that see i already forgot about that congratulations georgia georgia you know georgia we can celebrate georgia for success for a second you know that is a huge win thank you for states to stacy abrams and all of the organizers who made this happen uh you know y'all are fan-fucking-tastic yeah it was a huge win but i just forgot that it happened that it immediately got overshadowed by the fact there's some guy in horns and animal pelts was sitting on the fucking like congress floor yeah i was definitely doom scrolling last night it was it's just like one thing came after another like someone had set up like a gallows outside the building Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. And See? there was a picture of some guy with the handcuffs, but they're like zip tie, zip tie handcuffs. So if you put those two things together, what were they really planning on doing? You know, like it's wild. Yeah. Yeah. That. And then our president was like, we love you. You're very special. Go home. Yeah. He also got like, you know, not banned from Twitter yet, but he's been suspended from Twitter for for, for that. Which Honestly, that was the breaking time. Yeah, that was the breaking point. That was the breaking <laughs> point, not the, you know, racist shit and the, you know, sexist and horrible shit that he's been spewing for the last five years. Like, <sighs> I feel like this is a is, is an, um an opportune moment to remind anyone that if you support that in any way, shape or form, you probably shouldn't be listening to this podcast. In fact, I would no. I would rather you not. Um, no, we don't want you. But apart from the, <laughs> apart from that, um, <laughs> I've had a pretty good week, a very productive week. I'm getting back in the flow of working from home. Um, my number one tip, I actually have two tips for people working at home. Good if you, you like coffee and, and you have that curse of, you know, you bring the coffee to your desk and you get so wrapped up in your work that the coffee gets cold and then you have to get up and microwave it and then come back and then it gets cold again and you have to microwave it. Get a mug warmer. It has changed my life. It is basically just a small hot plate. I'm using it right now as we record the podcast. It's a small hot plate that just keeps your coffee warm. So huh. it so if you're, you know, lost in your work, your coffee doesn't go cold. And it's great. It saves me time. It saves a bunch of trips to the kitchen. That's my number one tip. Number two tip. 
if you're feeling lethargic or you're not motivated, put on a nice pair of jeans. Because I put on some jeans and I I got like five hours of work done. Like, ba 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 ba. I I highly recommend dress for what you want to do. It really really helps. Nice. Yeah. That's that's helpful. The coffee thing is extremely helpful for some people. Yes. I, however, do not really drink. Here's the thing: I basically drink like baby formula coffee. One could call it. <laughs> it's like this. It's like the star. It's like the Starbucks like mocha drinks that you get at a gas station. Right. That's that's as much caffeine as I drink every day. And sometimes I even just do a sip before I get in the car for morning practice because I get up at 6.15 every morning for Oof. practice. Yeah. Uh, so that's usually what I drink to make sure I don't die on the way up so I don't fall asleep at the wheel. Uh- <laughs> do you enjoy tea? No, I don't. Hmm. I know it's in. So I know it's uh, especially as an Avatar fan and I, uh, you know, Uncle Iroh fan. I, I am very sorry for that. You know, sin of not enjoying tea, but I just don't. <laughs> yeah, Iroh is very disappointed. How is how's your week been apart from the the coup at the U.S. Capitol? Boy, uh, it's been fine. Are you I back? At, are you back in class? I am back in Morgantown, but I am not back in class. Oh, okay. I am in Morgantown because uh, I'm on the swim team at the university, so I have been. Doing a lot of training because uh, we still have a season uh, somehow, uh, you know, with COVID and everything. We have our first meet of the year at Pitt uh, next Thursday. So, you know, wish us luck. Uh, I, I don't know how I'm going to do, but whatever. We're, I'm just in it for I'm just in it for fun at this point. <laughs> well, I did see um, some news about some WVU faculty getting the vaccine. Mm hmm. I think some of the older for, the older faculty yeah, are starting to get it. Yeah, they had it available for some of the older faculty members. That's good. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then also another Morgantown news, if anyone's invested in that. Um, one of my local, one of my favorite drag queens from Morgantown, um, she's actually running for city council. So Paul wow. Paul Liller uh, is running for city council in Morgantown, which I think is fucking incredible. And I he just announced his candidacy yesterday. So Love that. if you're from Morgantown, uh, go follow Paul Liller. He's doing some. Uh, I really, uh, I'm really excited to see what he does, and I hope that he, you know, gets that position. So that way we can have not one, but two openly get members of the Morgantown. City Even council. if you're not from Morgantown, go follow mm-hmm. him. We'll drop his. We'll exactly. put his socials in our description. How about yeah, that? Yeah, I'll see if I, I'm sure they'll. Ha- he'll have a campaign account coming up soon. He just announced his candidacy yesterday yeah which, you know very very you know the timing cannot be ignored at this point right that was a you know kind of right. he's like he made a uh a live a facebook live and talked about it so right yeah would love to plug yes. that cool all right so we don't have any news for the avatar universe but we do have some patreon shout outs we want to shout out our very first patrons james and shay uh who if you remember have both contributed to fandom corner um thank you guys so much for subscribing um yes thank you yeah it really means the world to us if you would like to join our patreon family and receive a shout out of your own you can find us at patreon.com slash the avatar hour podcast and that shout out is um available at the one dollar level so should we just get into the chapters we have Let's, we have a big have storm a coming <laughs> we have a lot to talk about because we had what we have some of like the you know like you know, if you thought that last week was interesting with like the book and all that, shit's about to get you know kicked to another level. Mm-hmm. Let's do so it. So we open up with chapter five, Revelations. So just to catch you all up to speed, if you forgot what happened last week, uh, if you forgot what happened last week, go listen to the episode again before coming back. But I'll give you a quick recap. Uh, we are introduced to Kiyoshi, uh, Rangi, Heiran, uh, J- Jinju, Kelsong, like all of these people. Uh, 
Avatar Korra had died years ago, and they uh, he died young, and they wanted they had a hard time finding the next Avatar. Uh, so you know, at this point in the story, so chapter four, we had Kiyoshi playing this like uh, poetry game with her fellow, you know, with her for their friends and stuff, and so um, you know she says something that particularly struck Kelsong, and he's like, "Where'd you learn that? Like, where'd you hear that?" So here's what she was singing. So Kelsong apologizes to Kiyoshi after grabbing her and yelling at her. Um, and then he starts describing what things were like before Avatar, you know, Yun was selected. Uh, he's the Avatar, right? He's the, been selected as the Avatar after years of trying to figure out the Avatar because uh, the original ways just weren't working. He describes that time as if the seasons had suddenly refused to turn. Um, Which course, I love. No av- that's yeah, absolutely. That's a great way to kind of describe like the hopelessness yeah. that the world must have been experiencing. I mean, you know, they said in the last few chapters that you know people from like the you know the sort of organized crime that they have and the people who uh, would took advantage of the Avatar's absence to kind of wreak havoc upon the world and you know Yun's trying to bring balance like the Avatar should. Um, but apparently not many people know the details of how, uh, Yun was selected by Jinju as the next avatar. Uh, so when he was selected, uh, the, the friends, you know, uh, avatar Korok's friends, which include Kelsong and Jinju and, uh, Rangi's mother, Heiran, uh, they were trying to find the avatar, uh, and they see a crowd watching a child with a pie show board. And he was pulling a move that would have normally bankrupted someone, but he just kept getting lucky over and over again. Jinju noticed that he was pulling the same tricks that Avatar Kork would use while playing Pai Show, uh, combined those strategies with some incredible earthbending skills, and they got an Avatar. Um, you know, and uh, Koshi, Kiyo, blah, blah, blah. Kiyoshi doesn't believe that she's the Avatar, and she's almost in tears at this point, because this is a lot to take in. Uh, I don't blame her. <laughs> you know? Uh... She's kind of, you know, she's kind of been like this uh, person that's kind of been shoved in the corner, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, kind of, she's a servant at the Avatar's estate. Uh, you know, she's kind of treated like crap by a lot of people. So the fact that, you know, there's a potential possibility that she could be the Avatar, that's that's quite a lot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was sort of shook at the fact that no one... I mean, like, everyone is convinced that Yun is the Avatar. It's not like Jinju kind of forced him, and he knows he's not actually that. Like, Jinju actually believes Yun is the Avatar, which, I mean, I predicted last week that he actually, you know, thought he wasn't. So this was a shock to me. I, I definitely thought he was in on it, but this is kind of interesting. And I mean, like... I don't know if, if if that happened at, like, the beginning of their Avatar search. I don't think they would have blinked an eye, obviously. Like, it's a kind of a stretch. But I guess when you're desperate like that. Yeah, when you're that desperate. When you're, de- you're you know? like, that has to be, like, a sign, you know. So find it. I mean, yeah, exactly. They're trying to find any sort of resemblance of having a connection to the last Avatar, you know. What I do find interesting, though, is will this be, um, like, clarified or explained, like, how... Yun knew these these moves that only Avatar Kurik knew. Like I'm I'm interested to see like I don't know, it feels like it feels like I mean this whole universe is is driven by fate and destiny and everything and in in many ways the way things are going now it has to happen for Kiyoshi to step in at the right moment, you know? So it's mm-hmm. very interesting to like see how things are 
put in place even though they're not exactly true so i don't know i thought that was i thought that was really interesting and i'm, I'm interested to see uh if that thing yun was doing would be explained or if it was just some weird happenstance you know Glinky dink. <laughs> but I love that he was like, they were like, he's good at Pai Show and he can earthbend. Got it. Great. You got an avatar. <laughs> Here's the other thing too. I, I, I keep forgetting that one of the criteria of being the avatar is um, exhibiting amazing feats of bending. Like, I, I, like I Aang guess, and Korra yeah. were phenomenal benders, but there were also benders that were above them as well. I mean, they were kids, but yeah. you know what I mean? Like, I keep forgetting mm-hmm. that's like kind of one of the signs of an avatar is that they can pull off phenomenal feats of bending without the avatar state. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I wasn't there for the, you know, <laughs> avatar selection. I wasn't there that day. I was off getting drinks and bossing. Say, uh, <laughs> um, so Kelsang, because Kelsong, why did I say Kelsang? I'm an idiot. Kelsong, uh, tells Kiyoshi, maybe we should just get out of here because, you know, the possibility that, you know, I mean, oh, let's be, I mean, it's not said that someone could be listening, but let's be honest, they're with the knowing how slimy Jinju is, yeah. uh, there could be ears everywhere. So they go to Kiyoshi's room, uh, where we see two things that Kiyoshi has held on to uh, from her street urchin past, which is her, uh, you know, this notebook, this journal, and this, uh, this box right it's like a locked case or something mm-hmm. uh which i guess we'll get into later that seems kind of important so keep that in <laughs> right, mind kids right. um kiyoshi then asks kelsong if he thinks that she's the avatar because of a stupid song to which he replies confirming our theories about that we made last week about the song that kiyoshi uh did uh that it was something that kurok had wit- had written mm-hmm. um and then he tells her now what i'm going to tell you you need to keep to yourself so 20 years ago Kurok's team avatar, let's just call him, because, you know, Avatar always has a group of friends, and they're, right. always, they're, they're a team avatar. Uh, they started to kind of drift apart, but not out of malicious reasons. Just, yeah, they you know, kind of just they got floated busy. away from each other. Yeah, They got busy. They were, they were busy getting their lives together and things like that. So Kurok was out doing his thing, and then he suddenly shows up at Kelsong's doorstep that he wrote a poem declaring his eternal love for Heyran, who is... You know, Ronki's mother. This so, shook me. I was, I was, what? I was, I mean, my theory was that it was for his fiance, you know, the fiance that got her face stolen by Ko. Kurik, you, know? you dog. I know. Oh my this God. About, I don't know, something, something broco? No, it doesn't like broco fits in this scenario, but you know what I mean. <laughs> it's like, I don't know why I find it so shocking that an avatar would do that, you know, because I, I think. I think I have this idealized thing about the avatars, like they're like you know the beacon of light and good and everything. And Kirk is out here like trying to break up a marriage. Like, I yeah. love the idea that that even though they are the avatar, they they are malleable to these kind of desires and mistakes and everything. But I feel like the more we read about Kirk, the more he's kind of a a shithead. You know, like yeah, I'm interested to see. Uh, what else we learn about this guy? I hope that Kiyoshi runs into him at some point with like inconvenience with him. He's like, yeah. So I'm not sure how much, like, you know. Like, so here's what actually what happened, you know, to be, from his perspective. I'm very curious about that now. Oh, that's uh, true. I mean, it could. I mean, Kalsan could be remembering it incorrectly, or he, maybe he doesn't know the full story. You know, exactly. I'm, yeah. So he just sh- literally showed up at his doorstep one one night, say, "Hey, I wrote a poem for our friend because I love her." Yeah. <laughs> like, so Kalsan responds to his, uh, you know eternal love declaration for Heyran that uh he's like no don't do that like don't do that man uh he then wonders out loud if things have been different if 
you know, Heiron and Karuk had run off together, to which Kiyoshi thinks about how, you know, Ronki would never have been born if that happened. And she's like, you know what? You did the right thing. You did the right thing, pal. <laughs> and I'm just like, mm-hmm. We see you. Yeah. You gay girl. Not, I, I'm not sorry. subtle I, in the I'm slightest. Just, <laughs> I get, I'm just very excited to see this because I... Okay, as like you know, with fantasy, like usually I don't really read too many books where there's a queer main character. Um, I need to fix that because I know there's plenty of books out there. I'm reading Gideon the Ninth uh, after I'm done with this, and I know that's pretty gay. But mm-hmm. um, like, just I'm just excited to see that she like to see her like you know be super super gay for another girl i love that so much it just makes me so happy (laughs) well yeah i mean which which also i think could be tied to kurosami and i think the boom especially in ya novels with the queer representation i mean i know kurosami is a tv it comes from a tv show but i think it sort of helped because it it again changed the 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 conversation about how how much kids are like willing to handle or be exposed or whatnot but yeah i i love i love that i just i'll i'll talk about it in in my chapter because there's something that happens in that chapter that i'm 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 really here for so exactly um so yeah the plot twist the poem was not about uh you know kirk's fiance and uh also i just gotta say what is it with the avatars falling for fire nation girls like kirk roku Korra, and kiyoshi have all fallen for fire nation uh, girls, just just to was point this, that out. Was Asami a Fire Nation girl? I, yeah, I think she was. That's what I saw. That's what I've read in a couple of different things that she's like, you know, I mean, from the Fire Nation. Like I guess, like or her family was. I guess I'm not sure, but oh yeah, it it just says yeah. It's, it's I mean it says she was born in the United Republic of Nations. Uh, okay, well sorry, also guys, yeah, her eyes are that. her eyes are green, but she wears like Fire Nation coded outfits. I don't know. Yeah, maybe maybe uh, maybe her mother was Earth Nation and Hiroshi was Fire. I don't know, something like that, probably. Something like that. And... But uh, either way, good observation. Good observation. Yeah. Thanks. So then Kelsong says that he thinks that Jinju is going to go too far with training his perfect replacement, as he calls him for Kuruk, uh, That he's going to dig in and push harder. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> if y'all remember from the last episode, we said we find out that uh, he literally made Yun run across fucking nails mm-hmm, to try mm-hmm, to unlock his firebending. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah, he is digging in and pushing way, way harder. <laughs> wow. Um, and then they bring up her parents again. And I am very intrigued like, as they keep like referencing to her parents. I'm like, who are your parents? It is who, very race you know? Ray from Star Wars, isn't it? Like- yeah. What, As in, I'm, what not, exactly? I'm not expecting them. Here's the thing: I'm not expecting them to be like you know, pull a you know, Ray Palpatine bullshit. No, no I'm but, not expecting but that. It, I'm in, talking like, more like Ray from Force Awakens. Like, yeah, we see like visions of her parents leaving her or something like that. Like, it's yeah, very like, similar. I'm, I was wondering. I'm just, I'm just wondering what kind of people her parents were because obviously you know they left her behind, so you know they left her. So I'm like, what kind of people would do that? So I mean, I'm I think I, I think maybe like this. The obvious guess is like, I mean, she obviously resents her parents, but it's probably going to turn out to be something like they had to leave her for some which, reason or something which we did see well here's the thing we did we do that we do bring up the parents do come up again uh i believe in one of your chapters mm-hmm. so yeah i'll talk to you but kiyoshi says that her parents would have treated her as a once in a generation prize so yeah. damn 
So then she asks Kelsong to keep this incident a secret, to which he doesn't respond because he is looking at her shelf, which, you know, he is absolutely transfixed by what he sees because he sees a clay turtle, and not just a clay turtle, the clay turtle that she had stolen the day of the Avatar test. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like he said, uh, when Kiyoshi, when little Kiyoshi ran away with the, the clay turtle that, you know, it'll find a way back to us. And here it oh, is. Oh, Yeah. That's really cool. And I also so. wonder which avatar this belongs to. Because if it belongs to Kurik, it probably... I think it's interesting because he does he does seem to be reaching out to Kiyoshi. So I wonder if like just having the energy from that object near is kind of helping mm-hmm. that or something. I don't know. I we'll, mean, we'll probably find out who's, who's it I is. Mean, the, four, the, the toy test is the four toys of previous avatars. And they're like some of them are ancient toys. So maybe it's from a different Earth avatar. I don't know. Oh, yeah. So there's that. Um, so Kelsong says that they'll keep this a secret, but eventually they're going to have to tell Jinju about this. Right. So, because uh, uh, Kelsong says at some point in the chapter is like, well, if we were able to make Yun into the Avatar because of, uh, you know, a couple of moves and a pie show board, then we got to make, you know, we got to consider you because he said the same poem that he wrote. Right. You know, under the same, you know, flimsy little bits of evidence. Which I think, whether she wants to admit it or not, I think Kiyoshi's case is slightly stronger. Oh, just a little bit. You know, only <laughs> casually spitting out a poem that only one person had ever heard. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, so Kiyoshi tries processing all of the shit that she just heard, and she recalled how relieved people were when Yun was selected. Like we said, desperate times, you know, chaotic times. I love uh, I love the angst of all of this. Like, the complications. Angst, angst, angst. It's not, it's a very complicated situation to be in. Yeah. Because she's right, like, people, uh, she says, like, people like were, like, crying when they, like, found the Avatar, like, oh, my God, yeah. This is a lot of, there's a lot of different, like, strings being pulled here, a lot of feelings at play, and it's, honestly, like, these chapters are really setting the dominoes up uh, to fall, you yeah. know. And you have this, gr- you have this great line from the book here as well, you want to read that? Yeah, so, uh, well, she says, uh, you know, kind of talk on her reflection about what's going on. She said, Avatar Yun was the beacon of light that gave people confidence the world could be saved. Avatar Kiyoshi would simply be dirt kicked over the fire. I love that. I don't know what it, I just love his writing. So like good. this and like the seasons refusing to turn. It's just very good. Very Absolutely. good. Absolutely. I mean, especially it's like, it's a big moment of, I love all the dramatic irony. Yeah. It's being like subtle. Some of it's pretty <clears throat> subtle with the dramatic irony, like the referencing to the makeup in mm-hmm. chapter four and things like that. Um, but dramatic irony, considering the fact that Kiyoshi is revered in Avatar universe, you know, as we see in, uh, you know, Atla and of course by the fandom, how much the fandom absolutely adores Kiyoshi. Like I said, she's like the Chuck Norris of the Avatar universe as some people think of her. Right. As. <laughs> like, um, and then she starts wondering at the parent, whether her parents would abandon her if she had been revealed as the Avatar instead of, you know, Yun. And then she opens the door and finds the same person she was just thinking about uh, who has been looking for her. So dun, dun, dun. And that's yeah. how chapter five ends. So fun. Oof. Yeah. Chapter six promises. So Yun and Kiyoshi are hanging out together because, you know, they're friends. Even though Kiyoshi technically works for him, they're pals, you know. Um, she kind of, like, we learn that her role in the household is basically to help clean up Yun's messes because she's particular about organizing stuff and he is not. 
Um, so they're kind of goofing around a little bit, and he's wearing these boots that are way too big for him. And Kiyoshi says, like, you know, take them off. You look ridiculous. Like, you don't, you don't, you don't, you know, you, let's get you, like, better shoes that are actually going to fit you. And then he freaks out about that, like, properly freaks out about it. Well, we all know why, though, mm-hmm. because he just ran barefoot over fucking nails, which, yes, we will keep bringing that up because that is fucked up, pal. Did you, you also know? get the sense that <clears throat> that um, Kiyoshi, like, took notice about the boots because of, like, about how she's, like, abnormally, like, large for her age or something? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like she's like, why those like it's like kind of like internalized sort of like you know, like self hatred. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I could see that, yeah. Um and yeah, I mean like he stops he's like he's not joking anymore when she says like let's take him off. And I guess, you know, he doesn't want her to see like the you know, how probably how much, you know, how how, how fucked you know, how fucked up his feet are now. Yeah. Like, you know, running barefoot over nails definitely does not do good things to your feet. Um so yeah, um, so Kiyoshi, they kind of just move on to the next thing. So he says that, hey Kiyoshi, like I want you to go with me to the Fifth Nation where he's going to deal with the treaty. So remember, the Fifth Nation is another word for the Daofi or the organized crime slash pirate organization. Um, and he wants her there. He wants her to be there for the treaty signing. Um, and he wants her there not as like protection, but for her to be a regular person, not mm-hmm. an avatar mentor. Like... Considering that, you know, I mean, considering how much pressure this guy's under, uh, and even worse, that he's not really the Avatar, but mm-hmm. we don't know, but, you know, they don't know that yet. <laughs> you know, uh, he wants a regular person around, not to not just a bodyguard, but, like, just his friend. And, like, my heart goes out to him. Aww. Yeah, it's a very, I mean, it's a very human <laughs> response. I mean, he, I can imagine, like, him being in that situation without having really anybody there that's, like, kind of rooting for him just, like, on an emotional level rather than, like, a political or a diplomatic level. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Rangi would would have been there, but again, she's more of like the bodyguard, you know. Yeah. So yeah, she is more of his, you know. <clears throat> yeah. The more I read about Yun, I I just really feel for him. Like he feels he feels like a very vivid human sort of character. I thought it was gonna be super one dimensional when I found out that the story was going to be like I said in the right. last episode. I thought the story was gonna be like you know false avatar yes mm. is the real one and mm. i thought that he was gonna be a piece of shit but he's not he was a really interesting character and yeah he really empathized with them i was not expecting that yeah uh we do get a name drop uh that you mentioned in the show notes yeah i was kind of shook because i was reading this is on page 60 um and it's when uh yun is kind of just explaining to kiyoshi why he wants her to be there <clears throat> and uh, he says that afterward, that afterward, I want you to tell me I am as good as Yang Chen or Salai, regardless of whether or not that's true. And I was like, hello, new avatar, avatar name drop. And so I looked it up. I, I risked the spoilers for the podcast. I didn't got I didn't get spoiled, but I figured like maybe this is the avatar before Yang Chen. And it's actually the Earth avatar before Yang Chen. Huh, so there's still casual. there's still someone before you know, Yang Chen that we still don't know about. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm interested, I'm interested only like, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming he mentioned Yang Chen because she was known She's for her revered. wisdom. And, and I'm wondering if this Sally guy was also very like diplomatic, success, like politically successful and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, but <laughs> I mean, more canon avatar names, please. Like, I love yes. that. Give it to me. I'm ready. Oh man. And then uh, Rangi shows up, 
And she's like, yeah, she wanted to clean up this mess after, like, you know, isn't that, isn't that supposed to be your job? Like, goofing around. And, you know, friendship. You know, they just kind of just goof around. And um, Kiyoshi kind of looks at them, you know, being friends together. And she promises herself that she'd protect these protect- this precious relationships with her friends. Yeah. You know, she didn't want, she didn't want to lose that. And that's kind of how the chapter ends. So, of course, if she's making an observation, like, my friendships are the most important thing to me. I don't want anything to happen to this amazing relationships that we have. And then, you know, <laughs> we get to the next part. Exactly. And that all changes. As soon as I read that part, I'm like, something's going to happen to them. I was like, them. yikes. <laughs> that, that, that something's going to test this, uh, these relationships. And uh, we're about to find that out in the next part after the ad break. Cool. And we're back. All right, let's talk about Chapter 7, The Iceberg. I was literally trying to type the notes at, at notes for this as I was watching the news coverage of the coup. Um, so that's great. Sparkling white supremacy. <clears throat> right? And if if the, the outline sounds slightly unhinged, now you know why. Um, this is a long <laughs> chapter. Um, 40 pages, right? 40 pages or something like that. It was it was crazy. Like, I was reading the, the book, and I lost track of... I was like, have I flipped to another chapter or something? Like, I thought I was already in the fourth. Nope. Still in the third chapter for the week. I was just like, all right. It was a great chapter. It was just very long and very hard to outline. Um, But yeah, let's just get right into it. Uh, As Kiyoshi and co. travel to the South Pole, Kiyoshi is having some sort of nightmare with hooded figures and claims that she will never forgive them. So we're meant to assume this is about her parents. Uh, Mm -hmm. We see some sort of exchange going on. So... Like I said in in the previous chapter, like I think it's probably gonna be something like that they had to do to protect her or something. Um, very again, very like Ray from Star Wars. Um, <laughs> but so yeah, so she wakes up. There's an unspoken agreement between Kiyoshi and Kelsong that the mission is far too important to throw into jeopardy by saying anything about her suspicions about being the Avatar. I mean, yeah, considering how, like, you know, how much is in the balance, like, people's, like, hundreds of people's, a whole village, you know, was taken by these, you know, the the Dalphi, Mm -hmm. you know, like, it's, it's pretty, you know, like, you know, high stakes here. Uh, Yeah. You know, that would be just, you know, things are already precarious enough as it is without having to throw a, hey, guess what? The Avatar we thought is the Avatar. You might actually not be the Avatar. (laughs) But here's the thing. I was thinking, though, like, they're going to make this this negotiation treaty with the pirate queen or whatever. And Yuna's going to be the one to sign that. So what happens when Kiyoshi inevitably is revealed to be the avatar that that negotiation is basically void because it's not signed by the avatar. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I felt like <coughs> it, it kept saying like, now's not the right time. And I'm like, well, it's, yeah, it's when definitely is the right time. It's definitely not the right time now. You know, like but when is the right time for these kind for this kind of thing? Like when it's every, any time, even if it happened, even if like chapters, the events, chapter seven never happened, mm-hmm. you know, like it's still, even if the, like the treaty went signing, what goes off without a hitch, you know, yeah, it's yeah. Like you said, that could complicate things later. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, especially when you're when you're dealing with a situation that involves like captives, <laughs> like you know, like yeah. it's very oh, it's very precarious. But yeah, Kiyoshi, Yun, Rongi, and Kelsang are traveling on Ping Ping in the air, while Jinju and Heron are trailing behind them on a ship. Um, Yun insisted he be away from his elders to go over the plan. 
even though Jinju was apparently reluctant about it. And Kelsong says this thing that he was right to be reluctant and says, at one point, it was somewhat of a tradition for the Avatar to travel extensively with his or her friends without the supervision of elders. But Heiron, Jinju, and I, the three of us weren't the positive influences on Kirk that we were supposed to be. Jinju views that period of our youth as a great personal failing of his. So I love that this was considered a tradition because this, this is what we see Aang and Korra do. Like they travel the world extensively with their buddies, with their friends without any adult Avatar. supervision. Team Avatar, baby. Yeah. But it keeps getting mentioned again and again that Jinju, Kelsong and Heron were bad influences on Kurik. And I how want, that? I want where the, you know, yeah, I want to know why, how, like, what how were they, they bad? Were influences? they like, they, angel devil on his shoulders were they the ones that played the devil like what what happened i don't i don't know i'm a, it, i don't know well considering well considering you find out exactly <clears throat> what they've done in the past like you know in the next chapter you know all yeah. of the the shit that they've done in the past allegedly to, you know, allegedly allegedly <laughs> allegedly jinju is over so. party yeah jinju is canceled um <laughs> snake emoji <laughs> yeah imagine him going on youtube to make an apology video snake emoji i'm sorry i buried five thousand people alive yeah uh yeah spoilers it has come to my attention <laughs> that some allegations have been brought up and i am blindsided and devastated and i never thought i would have to make this video <laughs> okay um they arrive and land on a giant iceberg in the south pole as the crew congregates we meet master amok yun's eventual waterbending master and <laughs> he disguises himself as an earthbender uh by essentially putting a spider snake extract in his eyes that changed the color of his eyes to green to make him look more like an earthbender because they agreed that Tagaka would be the only waterbender present at the meeting. Oh boy. So from the get go, I'm like, this is going to, this is not going to go. go south. <laughs> this, this is going to go, go south. south. And yeah. it does. This is very goes slimy. Like, I mean, I south at the South pole, baby. <laughs> it is. Yeah. It is both smart and not smart at the same time. Like, of course you would want, so a waterbender there in case things go south but also you are very you are jeopardizing the integrity of the mission greatly when you do that well um, i mean they're meeting on an iceberg in the middle of a bunch of water exactly uh, which they which Earth. they intentionally decided upon. oh yeah that's yeah, yeah exactly that's what <clears throat> i wanted to say and and she and she promised she wouldn't have her warships around so that was the balance they made was uh, right a fucking iceberg right so uh, Tagaka arrives with with two men, and here's a description laid out in the book for her. And I think it's very uh, illustrative of what you're meant to to think of her. Um, it says, contrary contrary to her reputation, the leader of the Fifth Nation was a decidedly unremarkable middle aged woman. Underneath her plain hide clothing, she had a laborer's build, and her hair loops played up her partial water tribe ancestry. And I love this trope of building up this like villain and like talking about all the things they've done terribly. And then they show up and they're just like a regular person. Like it's a very like Kylo Rennie. I don't know why I keep making star Wars references, but it does, yeah. it's just what it reminds me of. You, it just, you know, with Kylo, we like, there's a lot of star Wars and, and avatar. I mean, I yeah. mean, empire strikes back references and talking about the, you know, season finale mm-hmm. of season two. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, but yeah, so we're, we're purposefully meant to believe that she's an unremarkable woman, which, you know, um and uh here's an interesting thing kiyoshi clocks tagaka's gn which according to google is a double-edged straight sword used during the last 2500 years in china um and she apparently got the sword from uh besting an admiral from bossing say 
Um, and apparently no one knows what she did with the body. Love that. Oh, great. She ate it. Yeah. <laughs> Tagaka oh. bows upon meeting Avatar Yun, and Yun congratulates her on her victory against the Fade Red Devils. And so this was the point where I was just like, this is all very diplomatic and very political. Like the terms they've laid out is like contingency upon contingency upon contingency. And this scene in particular reminded me of of season four in Korra, where Korra goes to Kavira's camp to try to reason with her to get her to leave Zalfu. Like, it's very much that. Like, I was getting a lot of vibes from that. It just feels like, I mean, you can feel the tension, mm-hmm. you know? Very. <laughs> this entire chapter, very tense. It's just tension, tension. You're just waiting, you're just waiting, waiting, waiting. Which, again, FCE builds explosion. beautifully. Like, I cannot underestimate how good he builds this tension. It's so good. Um... To Kiyoshi's discomfort, Tagaka eventually invites them all back to camp for dinner. And she's like, we're going to sleep there, you know. And it's a very awkward affair. And we get some small clarification in a paragraph about what the Fifth Nation is really about. It reads that the Fifth Nation described themselves as an egalitarian outfit that disregarded the boundaries between the elements. According to the propaganda they sometimes left behind after a raid, no nation was superior and under the rule of their enlightened captain, any adventurer or bender could join them in harmony regardless of origin. Which on its face does not sound bad. No, you know, but but they also capture people. They they capture and plunder and and all and yeah, murder people like very very propaganda y. You know, it's like a it's like you know the corporations at Pride that uh, you know get afloat and then you know they donate to anti LGBTQ organizations. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) Um, While Yun beats out three people at Pai Show, Kiyoshi notices two Earth Kingdom villagers who have been kidnapped and are currently servants to Tagaka. I'm confused about this because it the way it's written, it, it feels like we're supposed to know who these people are. Like, they were mentioned in another chapter. Do you get that sense? No, I don't. I didn't get that sense when I read it. I mean, just kind of pointing out that, like, just kind of a reminder that she kidnapped villagers from an Earth Kingdom, you know, from the Earth Kingdom. So I think it's just a reminder that, hey, by the way, she did this. And that's mm. partially why these these negotiations <clears throat> are taking place in the first place. You know? Oh, okay. Okay. I don't know. It's just the way that it was written. It was like hmm. the villagers, like, oh, were we supposed to know who these people are? No. Okay. Never mind. Um, so things get more awkward when Tagaka spills the tea on Yen's mentors. Um, so we're going to go down the list of her allegations. One, she accuses Jinju of burying 5,000 Yellownecks alive. To which he just chalks up to rumors. You know, he's like, you know. Yellow Nux, like these like anarchist kind of like, right. faction. Right. Just so y'all know. Um, and then she accuses Heron of holding the record for most accidental kills during Agni Kai's, which indirectly answers my question I posed like six episodes ago on whether or not Agni Kai's are supposed to end in one of them dying. Apparently they're not. Um, <laughs> so there's that. Well, we're um, going to hear more about uh, one of those Agni Kais that, yeah. you know, that Heron was in. So, And then she thanks Kelsong for trapping her father's fleet in a typhoon and drowning his entire crew at sea with that typhoon. Well, I mean, hey, she was she said, hey, you made my succession much easier. I didn't have to fight my uncles for her, you know. Right. And she's like, you must have thought that was such a nonviolent solution. But in all actuality, they all drowned at sea. And you're just like, oh, oh, fuck. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, and Yun successfully diffuses this situation, and as soon as Tagaka and her company leave, uh, he basically start immediately starts interrogating Jinju about these rumors. Um, Jinju eventually admits to it that he did, you know, bury five thousand Yellownecks alive, 
but he was he said you know just we were doing it for the greater good and kelsong backs it up like he says that they had to act without an avatar they had to be the world's avatar for for a second you know um seven years i think it was and you know whether or not that is justified i think is up to the reader but i don't know i feel like there's still not we still don't know a whole lot about what happened you know yeah, I mean, we, we hear, like, bits and pieces of it, like, the references to, like, the seasons had stopped, you know, almost, almost that the seasons had stopped, and people crying in relief when the Avatar was selected. We know that it, things were rough. We know that things are chaotic before, you know, Yun was found, but, mm-hmm. you know, we don't know exactly the specifics of what went down. Yeah, especially the slimy vibes we're getting from Jinju. It, it doesn't feel genuine, like what he's saying, you know? It all feels calculated. Yeah. Well, we'll see exactly, see how calculated he is later. Mm. Yeah. But they, you know, they justify it to say that we had to act without an avatar. And Young claps back and says, oh, so now it's fine because you can shift that blame onto me now that I'm the avatar. Ooh, and, damn. and you know, Jinju is like, all right, everyone out. I got to talk to the avatar. So everyone leaves. Kiyoshi chases after Kelsong. Um, and Kelsong tells her that the incident that... Tagaka mentioned with the typhoon and everything was actually the reason he lost his standing in the Southern Air Temple. And, you know, Kiyoshi consoles him and says, you you never let me down or something like that, you know. Um, and I wanted to ask you, do we think that the Southern Air Temple was justified in demoting Kelsong because of this? Like, it feels very much like whether or not it helped the situation, you still, as an airbender, took life and therefore we have to demote you. I- I have like a yes and no to it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, like, I mean, I remember like Yang Chen said something along the lines of like, you know, you need to put your own things aside to like for the greater good. I think that's what her line was when um, she's when Ang's talking right. to her. But yeah, that's why I asked it. Like, you know, um, so I mean, maybe. <laughs> Well, you're not the avatar. You don't get to follow the rule of do what needs to be done. Put your own comforts aside for the good of the world. Possibly. Maybe that's their kind of approach to it. Maybe they're just angry that he tried playing avatar. Yeah. But, like, but then, like, you know, Koizilla later, you know, in season one of, uh, you know, of Avatar kind of pulled something similar with drowning. Yeah. I mean, Fire Nation. That, yeah, but the, the air temples weren't, I mean, they were gone. So, I, I mean, know, but it, still, but like, you it leads know, you to wonder, like it leads you to wonder like, if they were around, would they have been okay with Aang doing that? You know? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I think, I, I honestly, I'm still kind of, I'm still kind of stuck with this. Cause like, I mean, what other things could he have done that wouldn't, I mean, these people were going to enact violence against other people and, you know, to prey on innocence. Shouldn't that be. Oh God, am I, am I sound like I'm taking Jinju's side now? <laughs> right? Yeah. See, it's con- it's that. not black and white, and I love it. I hate that. <laughs> well, you know, back in episode six when we were talking about the Law and Order in Avatar, we did talk about how in the Air Nation, if an Airbender commits an act of violence or an act of of like killing somebody, they're demoted. They're uh, basically erased from from any sort of registry or anything. So this is kind of sounds like what happened, like. They found out that he did this, and even though it was for the greater good, I mean, even that could be subjective, you know. And I guess, yeah. I guess, to them, the context doesn't matter. You took a life as an airbender, therefore, we have to demote you, you know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's very complicated. I, know, I love it. 
Um, Kiyoshi then finds herself on the outskirts of the iceberg, and one of the Dalfei shows up and promptly attempts to sexually harass her, Gross. to which Kiyoshi responds by grabbing him by the neck and slamming him into the wall. And Thank this you. is very Carol Danvers. This is <laughs> I love. I don't that know why. So I just thought about that. Like I could easily see Captain Marvel just fucking doing something like this. Like it reminds I mean, me of that scene. Deleted, yeah, of that scene, scene with the the mm. motorcycle and the the, the jacket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, I was like, the deleted scene where she like you know like almost like almost breaks a dude, pretty much breaks a dude's hand, and threatens to like you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, light it, on, you know, it was light very much up. that. But then I was like. Okay, <laughs> so this is what I was talking about when, like, this book is like, you know, not exactly a children's book. You know, it doesn't outright say that he was sexually harassing her, but that's what was happening. You know. Oh yeah. So mm-hmm. I don't know. It was very yeah. I was kind of shook by it. Um. So then Kiyoshi returns to the tent, uh, her tent, and plops down into the snow because she's you know exhausted from this encounter. And Ronki finds her and think and she thinks you know she's drunk because she sees the empty wine bottle that she took from the pirate, um, and pulls her into the tent and helps her into bed. Um, and then they're laying there, and then Kiyoshi starts wondering aloud, and she sort of attempts to justify the actions of Yun's mentors. And Rangi suddenly grabs her and says one of the people that Heron supposedly killed in the Agni Kais was one of her cousins. And that ever since then, they called her mother an assassin. Well, she was not, like, that person she allegedly killed was next to get the headmistress of the academy's position. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it's very, com- so again, little... very, very, very gray, very complicated. But I mean, yeah, obviously, yeah. that accusation really shakes Rangi to the core. And Clearly. we find out that she she already kind of knew about this in a way, um, but it was something she's obviously but now hearing it from someone else, right? Like knowing that it's it's in the knowledge of somebody else, you know, it it, it shakes mm-hmm. her, you know, mm-hmm. um, and so you know, Kiyoshi sort of consoles her, and, and I think it's very sweet the way FCE describes this whole thing, and like like the smell of Ronki's hair, like it's it's like coming onto Kiyoshi, and she's like. She describes comforting Rangi a torture and an honor. And I don't know how could this how this could get any gayer. Like <laughs> Oh my god. I love it. And so I on a personal gay. level, I have been I have been in that position when you're consoling somebody, particularly if it's somebody that you have like a crush on or something, and like it's you're in like the the most uncomfortable position ever, but you don't want to move because you don't want to leave that person. I was like I don't know how he nailed down that specific emotion, but he did. Mm-hmm. And I, it's just very, very effective. Great job. <laughs> um, the next morning, the two parties meet at the top of an iceberg with Tagaka appearing again with the two men and the female Earth Kingdom villager who they kidnapped. Um, Tagaka, with some effort and difficulty, bends a table and chairs out of the ice. Um, and the Earth Kingdom villager starts, starts preparing the calligraphy and the ink and stuff like that. Um, and once they've laid out the treaty, Tagaka and Yun begin to make their edits. Um, and Yun demands that all of the prisoners Tagaka has taken be set free. Initially, Jinju is like, bro, like, that's not what we talked about. Like, what are you doing? And then Tagaka, out of nowhere, agrees that she will not only return the captives to them, but also help them find, like, the remains of their bodies and return them back to their families and whatnot. 
and you're just like, what the fuck is going on? And then what happens next is completely wild, and I love this it. When shit, this is when shit hits the fan. Literally, this is what we've been waiting for in this chapter with dread. Like, we the weren't, t- like... The te- you know, like, the, the tension, the tension, the tension, the tension. Here's where it right. breaks. This is where the string snaps. So the pirate queen mentions that what she really needs are carpenters to craft ships for her fleet. Um, and then Yun is initially confused until she goes on and he realizes that Tagaka plans to invade Yokoya. So Yun kind of like shouts, shouts it out, alerting the others. And in a split second, Tagaka makes a small motion with her fingers and Master Amok is impaled with a stalagmite of ice. Like, what the fuck? What, what the fuck is going on here on this day? I was so <laughs> shook. <laughs> Like I was like, oh, like you know, it's. About I was like, to go this down. is probably why they can't make an ad- animated Avatar series. Like, <laughs> oh my god! So before we before we get into the action set piece, um, what did you think? Did you think Tagaka was initially putting it on? Like when she was like, like, she was like, like an act. Yeah, like, like, oh, I'm not sorry. I'm not as good of a bender as my dad. Right. You know? Did you think that? That's a fucking lily. She literally <laughs> stabbed a dude with her fingers. Like, you know, didn't even like, you know, barely bat an eye and stabbed a dude with some ice. Like that was definitely an act. And I, as soon as I saw her be like, oh, I'm not that good of an earth. I'm not an air. I'm not that good of a water bender. I'm sorry, guys. Right. Uh, I, well, like, I thought yeah. it was weird initially when she like tries to make the table happen and nothing happens. I thought, well, that's weird. You know, because we, we've never really like, you know, seen that, seen but a waterbender struggle like just that. to make it, just to Especially make a table. So I was like, mm, yeah, that's weird. Something's up. Something, something. This, this, that's suspicious. That's suspicious. That's weird. That's weird. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we were right. <laughs> all right. So, all right, we're getting into the action now. Um, Tagaka's escorts grab the Earth Kingdom villager, and the mentors and Rongi get literally they p- pulled underneath the ice by waterbender. So it's described that that hands shoot up from the ground and pull them down into Quick the sand. ice. What the fuck? And um and Kyoshi manages to like stop herself on the ice so she's like kind of like waist deep and Kelsong manages to get away on his glider. Uh meanwhile, Tagaka tries to swing down her sword on Yun, but not before Yun slams his hand down on the stone slab in front of them, bends an earth glove and catches the blade with his hand. This is so fucking dope. I can just dope. imagine this with like Korra's animation and music. Like this <gasps> would just be so cool to see. I need this. I love this. I love it. Um, so cool. The Dao Fei ships begin to leave the iceberg and head for Yokoya, and Yun calls out to Kelsong to stop the ships. Um, and then he gets completely in- encased in ice. Um, by Tagaka. Uh, Kelsing attempts to stop the ships, but Tagaka shoots him down, but literally just like ice starts into the sky and shoots him down and he, now he's, he's just plunged into the sea. Um, and as Tagaka escapes with Yun in tow, Kiyoshi breaks free from the ice and goes after them. Kiyoshi demands that Tagaka return Yun to her, but she instead asks Kiyoshi to join her forces. Um, Kiyoshi promises that she would never become a Daofei and she realizes that she will have to fight back and I want I put it, put in this quote from the book because it is a, a very powerful Incredible. so I just wanted to read this she was suddenly gripped with the overwhelming sensation that right now in her time of desperate need her voice wouldn't be alone her hands felt guided she didn't fully understand nor was she completely in control but she trusted Kiyoshi braced her stomach, filled her lungs, and slammed her feet into crowding bridge stands. 
Echoes of power rippled from her movement, hundredfold iterations of herself stamping on the ice. She was somehow both leading and being led by an army of benders. Is this the Avatar state? This is what I thought. I was like, is she in the Avatar state? I mean, like, Aang, I mean, Aang was able to pull from, you know, his grief and that made him go into the Avatar state the first time. So is Kyoshi pulling from her fear and, you know... And that maybe she's in the Avatar state right now. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's not, it's not explicitly stated either way. Well, maybe I mean she doesn't really know what the Avatar state is. You know, she's never seen it, and she's never. She probably hasn't heard much about it. Right, but yeah, but if 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 there was any way to describe what the Avatar state must feel like, it's this. Because you said that it was, she said that it felt like um, her voice wouldn't be alone. Mm-hmm. Her hands felt guided. She what didn't understand, nor was she completely in control. Uh, echoes of power ripple from her movement, hundredfold iterations of herself. She was somehow both leading and being led by an army of benders. That I think is the Avatar state. My only only thing about it though is like, wouldn't Tagaka notice the glowing eyes? Good point. You know what I mean? I mean, she okay. does say like, "What in the spirit are you?" or something like that. But she I don't does. know. Or maybe it's one of the the Korea Avatar states where her eyes flash and then that's it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I don't know, but it's it is interesting and it's really I don't know about you, but I was as I was reading this, I could again imagine it as like a TV show and like the Avatar theme starts to swell and like, ugh. she literally brings up the she literally brings the ocean floor to the surface. Yes, yes. She, like that is some. Um, probably some of the most powerful earthbending we've seen and, and she's like seen her it, jinju says later on she's at least 200 paces away from the ocean so that requires a very uh, yeah a very focused concentration um but yeah she bends a column of seafloor up from the ocean which catches the hull of one of tagaka's ships destroying several other ships in the process um she tries to attack tagaka but she's too exhausted just from doing that um, and before Tagaka could strike back, Rangi and Heron swoop down on Peng Peng and shoot fire blasts and knock Tagaka back. Waterbenders from the ships speed toward the iceberg, and Rangi and Heron go to stop them while Jinju notices the column of stone Kiyoshi bent from the ocean floor and considers her for a moment. So he's he too is kind of shook by this. Um, <laughs> and with the new source of earth Kiyoshi has just provided, Jinju uses it to knock out the rest of Tagaka's ships. The way he does it... I had to read a couple of times. I was a little confused, but if I if I was reading it correctly, he essentially like he drops down from Ping Ping and immediately bends like a slope of earth that like, he just slides down mm-hmm. as he takes out the ships. That is pretty fucking cool. Bad ass. I wish I could. I mean, it's it's cool imagining this, but like. I'm just imagining Cora, like Cora. Imagine like 2021. Uh, sorry, I keep saying thinking it's 2020, but eh, see how crazy the last week's been. Right. Don't blame me. Uh, you know, 2021, 20 some 2020s animation. Yeah. You know, with like this kind of action set piece. Oh, I really hope it happens one day. It would. It wouldn't be on Nickelodeon, or maybe it would, and they'll they'll have to like you know dumb it down in terms of the violence. But yeah, I don't know. Still. Oh. But this is, you know, I did say last episode, I'm excited to see how the action is written. And this is delivered. It did not disappoint. It did not it did disappoint not at all. Disappoint. That was incredible. It's very well paced and it's very exciting to read. I love it. Um, yes. So, yeah, Jinju takes out the ships. And then behind her, Kiyoshi hears a husky voice with an accent like Master and Mox behind her saying, you did good, kid. They'll be telling stories about this for a long time. And she turns around. She thinks it's a pirate, but there's no one behind her. And just overcome with exhaustion and confusion, Kiyoshi passes out. 
Well, yeah, she did some pretty incredible bending just there. That would take a, a lot out of someone who was not really trained in that kind of, you know. Yeah. And I, I, I wonder if Kiyoshi will make the connection that that was Couric. Um, I mean, that's or that's confirmation the right avatars. there, honey. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's becoming harder and harder to deny, you know, um, yeah, especially after she exhibits this amazing feat of earthbending. But yeah, especially because like, you know, because uh, Jinju later does say that he can't he even he couldn't do that. And he's one of the best earthbenders in the world. So, yeah, the, yeah, he does say that. Yeah. So chapter eight, the fracture, uh, Kiyoshi wakes up in the Yokoya infirmary and finds Jinju sitting by her bed. Uh, he offers her some water and remarks that he always knew that Kiyoshi was keeping something from him. So initially, she thinks that oh he's he found out about the Avatar thing, but it was it's That's more it's more of like her abilities with earthbending. And we learned that the little problem that Kiyoshi had with her earthbending that was mentioned in chapter two last week is that she could not bend smaller bits of earth, only larger chunks, which is interesting. Hmm. Um, and it said, like, you know, it was hard to train her because that's how they start out young earthbenders. They start with small pebbles and they work them up to larger pieces of earth. But Kiyoshi just could not do it. Um, and then Jinju goes on to bemoan how much of a mess the Earth Kingdom is. And I mean, isn't it always mm-hmm. a mess? It's the Earth Kingdom is never has its shit together. There's two, there's two different kings, you know, yeah. King of Omashi, King of in Basing Sei, you know. It needs to be split up somehow. Like the jurisdiction, I think it is the biggest, isn't it? The biggest nation. It is, in- which explains why. I mean, he, I mean, uh, Jinju says that the Earth's king, Earth King's power, it waxes and wanes, and it never reaches the full extent of the Earth Kingdom because it's just too damn big, you know. And it makes you wonder how they've gotten this far with an with an ineffective monarchy. And it's almost kind of like, honestly, kind of how the U.S. is right now. Like any like federal action very rarely reaches every part of the U.S., you know, like, because mm-hmm. the U.S. is huge. Well, I mean, the entirety of France can fit inside of Texas. <laughs> right, you know? exactly. So, like, maybe the Earth Kingdom just needs its own sanctioned-off states that can govern themselves, you know, like... Seriously. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Um, but Jinju asks if there is anything that she is hiding from him about what happened on the iceberg, and Kyoshi still decides not to inform him that she could be the Avatar, and is just kind of like, you know, I, I was desperate, and I just, I just did, and I just followed my instinct, you know, I was just desperate. Maybe um, it probably was a good thing she doesn't tell him about the Avatar thing yet. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I know there never really would be a good time to, you know, but do you think? Do it, but, but do you like... think Jinju knows now, or at least suspects her? I don't know. I think he still has a lot of faith in Yun at this point. Um, but I mean, he got the way. Like, I mean, at the end of the episode, the end, not the end of end of the towards like the end of this encounter that she has with him, he's like, "Well, I'm glad that I have another powerful earthbender on my side." You know. Yeah, and I so. don't know whether it's like a tactic to make her think that he doesn't suspect. I don't know. Huh. It could go any number Good of point. ways. It's, it's mind games. Just the mind games. Yeah. <laughs> um. So Jinju also supposedly blames himself for Kirk's death and for not teaching Kirk wisdom and that he thinks that the world is still paying for his mistake. And it goes, I mean, like just how much blame can we put on Kirk's team avatar and not on Kirk himself? 
Like, it feels like he's the special avatar and you can't blame him for anything because he's like, he was apparently, apparently was very subject to influence and very malleable in that way. Like, again, the more we learn about him, he just comes off as like a man child, you know? Yeah. Like, it it makes me wonder, Um, like, if it was another Korra situation where he was guarded for most of his life and he didn't really learn the ways of the world until it was too late, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, Cora learned when she was a teenager, but, you know, it's, it's different. But, like, right. I mean, when you were describing, like, you know, the – sorry, when you were describing that earlier, I started quoting something from Parks and Rec. It's like, I have never done anything wrong ever in my life. I know this, and I love you. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like Mona Lisa Saperstein. Yes, yes. <laughs> is he the Mona Lisa Saperstein in this universe? <laughs> literally. Literally. I don't know what it is. But, I mean, what do we think of Jinju after this? Because it, it... – and now still, that I, he's still a slimy bastard, but still slimy. But now that I know that he's not covering anything up that we know of in terms of like Avatar Yen not being the Avatar. Yeah, I don't know. I still, I still don't trust him. I still feel like mm, about him, but yeah. like I kind of see now why he does what he does a little better. I'll go ahead and make another prediction and and say <sighs> that. <for> <laughs> Say that uh, when it is finally out that Kiyoshi is the Avatar, that he's not going to let her, quote unquote, take power. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he'll just find a way to keep it hidden that Yun isn't actually the Avatar and just go on until Kiyoshi dies and they can move on to the next Avatar. You know, I think that's that's his plan moving forward, you know. Hmm. I don't know. Fascinating. Make that prediction now. Hey, anyone who's anyone who's read anyone who's read Rise of Kiyoshi before us or and Shadow of Kiyoshi, don't spoil. Just a reminder. Oh, yeah. Don't, don't do confirm that. or deny. <laughs> we are going to make we are going to make a lot of predictions, and it's funny if we're wrong, yeah. uh, or devastating if we're wrong, and if we get it right, great. But don't say anything until after we've found that part out. <laughs> right. So Kiyoshi visits Yun, who is healing from his encounter with Tagaka, and Rangi is brooding in the corner of the room behind him. Um, Yun tells her that they managed to subdue Tagaka and she is currently being sent to the prisons at Lake Laogai oh. uh, while the fifth nation is in shambles after they had destroyed their fleet because Tagaka says you know without the fleet you know we don't we don't we have any nothing. power that's why we need the carpenters um, and the Fire Nation Navy is actually uh, currently sailing through the Earth Kingdom to save the taken captives so yay it worked out in the end yeah and it said something like Fish. it's it'll be the first time <laughs> They'll, they would they would be allowed to sail military colors in Earth Kingdom waters. Um, Everything changed and the Fire Nation came to save the captives. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Which, you know, is probably another subtle hint to be like, you know, once upon a time, the Fire Nation did work with the other nations, you know. Mm. Um, I'm trying to think, is is do we, would we know? I don't know. We don't know who was before Sozin. Nope. Yeah. I was going to say Azulon, but that was after Sozin. Wait, right? Was Sozin before or after Azulon? I don't know. Hold on. Um, ruler of the Fire Nation for the majority of the Hundred Year War. So it was after Sozin. All right. So no. So we don't know. So maybe we'll get a name drop of who the Fire Lord is um, in this book. I'm um, sure we will, considering, you know, avatars go on, you know, life-changing field trips. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which I feel like is about to happen any moment now. Um, yeah. <laughs> But uh, Kiyoshi notices kind of like how tense they are and she tries to congratulate Yun until Rangi blows up at her and reveals to her that Kelsong told the two of them of the possibility that Kiyoshi is the Avatar. So, yeah, this is the fracture that is happening. Uh, Rangi's, like that we referred to Right. Earlier. Rangi storms out of the room in tears and Young goes to say something to her, but instead he just leaves the room. And this is heartbreaking because not two chapters ago, she was like, these, these are the people that I need to protect. 
And now I love this friendship we have. And then just like, oh, we're, yeah. We're apart now. And now they're, they feel betrayed. I mean, you know, rightfully so in some in some extent, you know. Yeah. But um, I mean, what else was she supposed to do? Like she couldn't just exactly. like tell one of them, you know. Um, precarious situation I mean how does one bring up that conversation to your friends hey guys who one of my friends who's considered the avatar right now by the way I might actually be the avatar and not you how do you have that kind of conversation anyway yeah <laughs> it's yeah I don't know um, but Kiyoshi goes to Kelsong's room after that um, and who is you know awake from Rangi's outburst um, he says he had to tell them because he thought her spirit had left her body because she was asleep for three days um yeah. I wish I I wish that were me <laughs> for three days. Right. And then Kiyoshi um, basically calls him selfish. Like she says, you wanted to teach an avatar who depended on you more than Jinju and you lost your chance with Yun. That's what I am to you a do over. And then Kelsong looks away and he just says the time when any of us could have could have what we wanted past years ago. And that's Shit. how the chapter ends. So very um, somber. Angst. 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 Um, but yeah, those are chapters um, seven and eight of The Rise of Kiyoshi. You want to go on and lead us into Phantom Corner? Absolutely. So this week's Phantom Corner, we got a bit of a meme going on here. Uh, so we got <laughs> uh, Firebender. We can shoot lightning. Earthbender. We can manipulate metal. Waterbender. We can control the blood in your body. Airbenders, if they weren't pacifists. In terms of oxygen, you have no oxygen. <laughs> that was my interpret as my impers- impersonation of Gru from Despicable Me because that is the uh, that is the picture that's being used. Except it's you know yeah. oxygen. You have no oxygen. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I figured you were we're overdue for a meme. We haven't done a meme in a while, so memes are important. Memes are very important. I'm sure we we'll, we'll put it on our. I'm sure we'll put it on our pages and share. But it, it is worth noting if they weren't pacifists. They'd be fucking terrifying. And well, here's the thing. We did see an earth an airbender that was not a fucking pacifist <laughs> in Korra, which is like what I wanted. I'm like, I want to see an earthbender just go absolutely, you know, off the rails from the, you know, not earthbender, airbender who was what goes off the rails from the, you know, pacifistic thing. And I want to see an airbender that, you know, was, and I remember I remember before I watched Korra, I'm like, what if an airbender could an airbender suck all the air out of a room or, you know, bend the breath from someone's body and I go to like, okay, I watched season three and I'm like, oh, I got yep. my very cemented wish and it was horrible and I liked it. Yeah, very <laughs> true. Very true. Yeah, it's a wonder so. we don't see. Maybe maybe that maybe that's why they have to be pacifists, you know, yeah. like I'm sure some airbender long ago was like, if we don't start like laying down the tradition of us being pacifists there's going to be too many people trying to take over the world you know seriously seriously yeah but that was fandom corner <laughs> yeah that was fandom corner cool so we're going to get on out of here um but before we go if you would like to support us and the show while also receiving some amazing benefits and exclusive content uh consider subscribing to us at patreon.com slash the avatar hour podcast you know however if you're not able to support us uh by way of monthly donation um you can also subscribe to us for free on your podcast platform of choice and even leave us a review uh, so we can, you know, uh, find more people to join our little Avatar Hour family. And if you'd like to get in touch with us to send in feedback about the show or share some content for Fandom Corner, you can follow us on our social media channels. So for Facebook and Instagram, you are at the Avatar Hour podcast and Twitter, we are at Avatar Hour. Yeah. If you would like to follow us personally, you can find me on Twitter at hey, it's underscore Andre. And you can find me on Twitter at Kayla underscore underscore Gagnon. Cool. So next week we we are talking chapters 9 through 12. 
And yeah. Where are we going to go from here? Because the <laughs> ball is rolling. We don't know where we're going to go. Yeah. We don't know. The you know, characters don't know where they're going to go. It's it's going to be interesting. I'm very excited to read the next section of the book. It's so good, y'all. Same, it's such a same. good book so far. I'm loving it, yeah. But until then, we will see you guys next time. Thank you so much for listening. My name's Andre. And I'm Kayla. All right. Goodbye, everyone. Stay Bye. safe. Don't, don't overthrow the government. Bye. <laughs>